and welcome to downtown Presbyterian Church. My name is Jonathan Davis. I'm one of the pastors here uh, leading us in worship this morning. That was Adam Radcliffe. And let me uh, especially welcome you if you are new or are visiting um, for the first time. Uh, We're really grateful that you're here, and regardless of your background or beliefs, um, we're just really grateful uh, to see you. We would love to meet you after the service if we have not yet done so. Um, We're going to be looking this morning at the book of Proverbs, and uh, we're continuing a series in the Old Testament, uh, which we started a few weeks ago, and we're going to be looking at a selection of Proverbs, which you can find um, uh, together in the back of your bulletin. We've been going through the Proverbs topically as they sort of lend themselves to. Um, They're all wisdom literature. Proverbs are wisdom literature. They're these short, uh, pithy statements that you really have to wrestle with in order to understand them. Um, You you have to to work to apply them into the nuances of your life. As Brian introduced the series a few weeks ago, he referred to the Proverbs as a portfolio for the nuances of life. A portfolio for the nuances of life. I listened this week to an interview with an actor um, who early in his career did a lot of TV and movies Uh, since then has transitioned more towards theater um, and teaching in particular, theater and acting classes at different universities. And and he travels around and and teaches a lot. And this interviewer asked him, um, what are like the top two or three things that are most important for um, aspiring actors to know um, as as they're in your class? And and, and essentially he said, you know, the, the theory of acting is really important to know But in my time, in my career, I've seen that all the best actors are the ones that have the best intuition. He said they can know everything there is in the book, but there's always going to be a scene that comes up where it just comes down to your instincts, where it comes down to your intuition. You have to know how to respond in that moment. That helps us understand the Proverbs. The Proverbs give us wisdom that shapes our instincts. Um, as we grapple with the Proverbs, they, they form our intuition. They help us know how to respond in those gray areas of life. So this morning we're looking specifically at Proverbs that have to do with our words, with our speech and our communication. So I'm going to read the, the selected Proverbs, which you can see printed there in your bulletin. Beginning with 4.23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. With his mouth the godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge the righteous are delivered. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. This is God's word to us. Let me pray and ask him to be with us as we think about it together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words to us in the scriptures. 
that they are true, they are trustworthy, they're good for us, we need them. Lord, this is a weighty topic that we wade into this morning. And you know my own heart, you know my own conviction that I bring even into the pulpit. The many ways in which my own speech has failed to be what you have called it to be. And so I ask for your grace for myself and for us. Speak to us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, later this month, um, it's going to mark a pretty big anniversary. Uh, 11-year anniversary of something that's completely changed the world. It's the 11-year anniversary of the iPhone, later this month. Um, As of last year, there were approximately 700 million iPhones in active use around the world. 700 million in active use. And I came across an article that gave like the top 10 ways in which the iPhone has changed the world. Um in the last decade. I'll just highlight four that I thought were pretty incredible. And these are going to seem like very straightforward because we're so inundated with it. But it's pretty amazing to step back and think about this, how this little device has changed everything. Uh, The first may seem obvious, internet access. Um, If you have an iPhone, basically anywhere in the world you have access to the entire internet. Um, Think back to the time where, where you got like your first computer in your house and uh, dial-up internet where you had to like connect it to the wall and it made that terrible screeching noise as it was dialing up. And then it would take up your landline, your home phone, the whole time you were on the internet. And then you would like hang up, I guess, uh, from the internet and then you could get on your phone and use it afterwards. Now we have the internet in our pockets because of this little device. Uh, think about photography. Uh, you used to, you have to spend a lot of money to get a really nice camera and that was something totally separate obviously, from your phone. Uh, Now, with an iPhone, you have a a very high-end camera with you at all times. Um, They said that last year, 1.2 trillion digital photos were taken, and 85% of those were taken on phones. 1.2 trillion, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, How people work has changed dramatically because of iPhones. Um, The the rise of what's called on-demand work. Uh, maybe the, the best example would be Uber, where you don't even have to look at another human or talk to another human. You just press a button, and a car is going to show up to take you where you need to go. It's amazing, all because of the iPhone technology. The last one that was really interesting to me, uh, chewing gum sales. Chewing gum sales. Apparently, gum sales in convenience stores have dropped 15% since the iPhone was created. And the reason, they say, is because when people are standing in line to check out at the convenience stores, they're staring at their phones. And they're not looking at all the products that are on display to be sold at uh, the point of purchase. And, uh, you know, we could go on, but you get the idea, right? This little tiny device that fits in your pocket has incredible power. And it's changed so much of how we operate, so much of how our world works. The Proverbs are telling us that something as small as a word spoken in the right way at the right time has the power to change everything. To change everything. To change people's lives. To change the world. And as we think about our words, a lot of times we just say stuff. 
We just say things, and that just seems insignificant, seems harmless. It was just a word. It was just a joke, just a passing comment. But they can end up powerfully impacting those who hear them. And we sort of have categories for this with like big motivational speeches, uh, maybe a presidential address, uh, maybe a really popular, polished TED Talk that we've seen online. Um, But we often don't realize the power of our words in a casual conversation that we have out in the lobby or with a family member as we're driving in the car together somewhere. Uh, Maybe you said something in passing, standing at the door of a coworker of their office as you walk in in the morning. These words are so powerful, the scriptures are going to tell us they can actually bring life. They can fill someone up. They can build someone up. They can put wind in their sails. At the same time, they can also tear down and destroy. Um, Think about the impact of your words as we jump into this. Um, Have you ever gone back through an old text message conversation and seen what you wrote and thought, oh, did I type that? Or maybe, um, maybe you've been to a dinner party, dinner with friends, and you've woken up the next day and thought, oh no, I said this one thing, I, that totally could have been misunderstood. I need to, and so you send out the group text to apologize and qualify what was said at the dinner party the night before. Our words are really powerful. And we need lots of wisdom for them. So that's what we're looking at this morning. And I want to think about this in three ways. I want to think about the source of our words, the power of our words, and the hope for our words. The source, the power, and the hope. So let's let's look at the source of our words. Where do our words come from? Uh, To to understand why we say what we say, um, if we're ever going to control our tongue, then we need to know where the words come from that we're saying. Is, Is it from somewhere outside of us? Is it merely in response to another person? Is it merely in response to something that's going on in this situation? Or is it something deeper? Is it something from inside of us? Look at Proverbs 4.23 on your handout. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Verse 24 goes on to talk about our speech. Where do our words come from? They come from inside. They come from our hearts. Our words actually expose who we really are on the inside. The Bible says that we actually live out of our hearts. Uh, It's been set up here before in a previous sermon series that we do what we do because we love what we love. But we say what we say Because we love what we love. And Jesus underscores this this very idea in Luke chapter 6. He talks about trees and fruit and the connection between the two. He says, No good trees bear bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. He's saying we live out of our hearts. The Proverbs tell us that we speak out of our hearts. Uh, Growing up, my dad would take my brother and I fishing in southern Missouri. And there's this beautiful state park there called Bennett Springs State Park. 
and it's, it's really popular. It's known for its trout fishing. It's really, really good for trout fishing. There are two reasons why Bennett Springs State Park is great for trout fishing. Uh, the first is that they stock it full of a lot of trout. Uh, when they do that, it makes fishing much, much easier. Uh, the second reason is the water temperature. The water temperature, Bennett Springs is a spring-fed river. And so the water comes out of the ground in the spring right around 54 degrees, and it pretty much stays 54 degrees year-round. Warm summers and cool winters have little bearing on the water temperature. The source of that water, the spring itself, is what controls the temperature of that river. Our hearts control the temperature of our words. Your words come from inside of you, not outside of you. This is a really hard truth for us to embrace. It's hard for me to embrace this. It's hard to grasp, but it's crucial to grasp if our, if our speech and our communication is ever going to change. Look at the quote on the front of your handout. Paul Tripp, in his book on communication, gets at this. Very front page of your handout. He says, word problems reveal heart problems. The people and situations around us do not make us say what we said. They are only the occasion for our hearts to reveal themselves in words. So this means that our child's behavior did not make us say what we said. That was our heart. Um, your roommate's sloppiness did not make you say what you said. It was your heart. Uh, the kid that six, sits next to you in class did not make you say what you said. That was your own heart. The other person posting on social media did not make you say what you said. That was your own heart. The car that pulled out in front of you and cut you off did not make you say what you said. That was your heart. The alcohol did not make you say what you said. That was your own heart. The Proverbs were telling us that there's nothing outside of us that makes us say anything. Rather, it's inside of us. It's just being poured out on this particular occasion. Our hearts are being revealed in our speech. And a lot of times we see really ugly things come out. Paul Tripp goes on to say this. He says, Our war of words is not with other people. It is a battle within. He's saying that other people are not the problem when it comes to our words. That is an internal battle that we're fighting with our own heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Your heart is the source of all that you say. So our speech is an overflow of our heart. And when we speak, it does powerful things. Let's talk about the power of our words. And the Proverbs really hit us head on with this. Look at chapter 18, verse 21 in your bulletin. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our New Testament reading this morning from James chapter 3, that's a really hard passage to sit and listen to, isn't it? 
But James underscores this power. Look at that again in your bulletin. James chapter 3, the second half of verse 5. How great a forest is set ablaze by such small fire. Our words are so powerful, it's like a spark from a little campfire that burns down an entire forest. Uh, My family and I, we used to work at a summer camp in North Carolina. And um, at this camp, like, like many other summer camps... Uh, they, the kids were most of the time uh, outside um, swimming in a pool doing activities or swimming in a lake, doing lake activities, maybe in a field, all sorts of things. But they're outside most of the time. And so they had to have a way to, to notify the entire camp if there was a storm with lightning moving through. And so they got this wonderful um, device called Thor. Uh, Thor was this uh, weather radar device where you could set it to where it would detect if there was lightning within a certain radius. It was very simple because once you set it up, if it detected lightning within a certain radius, it would sound the alarm. <clears throat> and it was fascinating to watch when Thor would sound because when Thor went off, 500 campers would automatically come out of the pool. You'd see them pull their kayaks over to the side of the lake and get out of the water. You would see the fields clear full of people. I mean, this uh, Thor had the power to, when it made that sound, it totally shut down the camp. 500 campers listened. The storm would pass, and sure enough, Thor would sound the all clear, and 500 campers would resume camp life once again. It was amazing to watch the power of this one sound. Our words, even one word, can make things happen. Words have the power to both give life and to totally destroy. Let's think about how words have the power to give life. If you go back to the beginning of the scriptures, Genesis chapter 1, we exist because of words. Genesis 1 verse 3 says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. This whole account of God making all things out of nothing, even us, with words. He speaks and it happens. Words have the power to give life. Look again at that list of Proverbs there. Look at chapter 10, verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Look at 15.4. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. In 1624, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. 2511, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. It's easy for us to miss the power of our words when we're the one speaking, uh, but we feel them when we're the one being spoken to. So I want you to think about words of life that have been spoken to you throughout the course of your life. You've felt the power of life-giving words. Words like, I love you. Words like, you're beautiful. Or you are so talented. You do really excellent work. I love the way God made you. 
You're a really kind person. You're a great mother. I really enjoy hanging out with you. You can almost feel these words filling you up. And I'm sure there are moments in your life, there are certain people that said just the right thing at just the right time, and you can remember exactly where you were when they said that, and it has put so much wind in your sails that it has steered the course of your life. What would it look like for you to use your words to put wind in the sails of others? That's what the wisdom of the Proverbs would have us to do. Uh, What relationship in your life right now, uh, what relationship is there where you could could steward the power of your words um, to really build someone up? Maybe to encourage a child who is just chronically discouraged and second-guessing themselves. Uh, Maybe to, to speak to and to dignify someone in the community that no one stops and speaks to. Maybe to give life and healing to someone by using your words to own your own faults and to apologize. What will it look like for you to steward the powerful gift of speech with those in your life? Words have power to give life. We felt that. We've also felt the other side of this power that words have. Words have the power to destroy. Again, back in Genesis at the beginning of the Bible, chapter 3, verse 1, speech plays an important role in the course of history. Genesis 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So the very words of the serpent twist the very words of God and it brings sin and death and destruction into the world. Words have the power to destroy. Look at, again, these Proverbs 11, verse 9. With his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor. Chapter 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Again, it's hard for us to know the power of our words when we're the ones speaking, but think of the things that have been said to you, the destructive words that you felt or experienced. Someone has told you that you're ugly, that you need to lose weight, that school just isn't your thing, that you're really not very smart that you just aren't athletic, that you're tall and goofy, that you can't work here anymore. I don't love you anymore. Or I'm leaving you. Or you're not welcome here. These words can destroy us. And that's a pretty clean edited list. I'm sure you can think of incredibly hurtful things that have been said to you throughout the course of your life. And you can vividly, again, remember that context in which they were said. Maybe you've had destructive words spoken to you because of your skin color. Maybe you've had destructive words 
spoken to you and been verbally abused by someone in a marriage or a dating relationship or in a parent-child relationship where someone just poured out their anger on you and abused you. The Proverbs that we're looking at are telling us that the wounds caused by these destructive words are very real. The Scriptures validate the pain that you feel from words that have been spoken harshly to you. They say it's like being stabbed. And that leaves scars. And to varying degrees, we've all had very hurtful things spoken to us. If you turn that around, to varying degrees, we've all said incredibly hurtful things to others. And wisdom says we have to acknowledge that our words have deeply wounded other people. Let me speak directly to kids here. The things that you say to your friends at school are very powerful. Those words that you use with your friends at school are very powerful. It's really easy as a kid to be mean to other kids. I think back to my own childhood. I remember when I was in eighth grade, um, I had this friend named Matt. And uh, whenever I was around Matt, uh, him and I would just sort of team up and, and, and say really mean things to other kids and make fun of them. And I remember one time we had this other friend who came to me alone and said, he said, hey, Jonathan, I, I really like hanging out with you when you're by yourself. You're, you're a good friend. But when you and Matt are together, you two get so mean and you are so hard to be around. I can remember exactly where I was in eighth grade when my friend said that to me. Our words leave deep and lasting wounds. Think about social media. Um, a lot of times it's not even face-to-face where these words, these interactions take place. Think about how you communicate online or over email. It's pretty easy to tear someone down when you're behind a screen. Yet those deep wounds are still there and still lasting, even as you communicate on social media. Do you feel the power of words, the power to give life and the power to destroy. As an aside, you know, this could really be another sermon altogether, but the Proverbs really emphasize the importance of being quiet and just not talking and listening more. Proverbs 10, um, thir- uh, 10 19 says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. 18 verse 13 says, if one, gives an, uh, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Wisdom says to listen first, to talk less, to seek to understand. Our words come from inside of us. The source is our own heart. They're powerful. They can bring life and death. So what? So what are we to do? Uh, What's the path towards wisdom for our speech? What is the hope for our words? Um, So as a runner, I'm always looking for that next thing that's going to make me a fast runner, whether it's like a new running watch, um, 
it's pretty much always that next pair of shoes with the latest technology. Um, surely these shoes will be the thing that drops time in all of my races. Turns out that's never the case. Uh, it's more me than the shoes. But what is it for our words? What is the thing that's going to fix how we communicate, how we speak to others? The hope for our words is in the words of Jesus. It's in the good news proclamation. It's at the very center of the Bible. It's the gospel. That's a word we use a lot around here because it's all over the scriptures. The word itself, gospel, means good news, and it's a statement. It's a proclamation of something good that has occurred. The gospel is words of good news, a proclamation of good news of something that has happened to you. And Jesus came as that good news. He came as the word of God made flesh, perfectly embodying and living out God's word. And he came as one who spoke perfectly. Even his thoughts before he spoke were perfect. The Apostle Paul summarizes his words of good news this way by saying that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the hope for our words. It, it's not just a speech problem, it's our heart. We're dead in our sin. And our only hope is for someone to come and rescue us and make us alive again and deal with our sin. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do for us. He came to rescue us and to make us new again. This was the message of good news that he came proclaiming. And as we think specifically about our speech this morning, it might be tempting to just try to grab onto one or two tips or tricks of how to go out and be better with our words, be a little bit more thoughtful. But the Bible goes much deeper than that. Jesus did not come to modify our behavior. He came to give us new hearts. He came to make us into new people. And I want to highlight just two implications of this for our words. Think back to what we said about our hearts being the source of our words. This means that in order for our words to change, our hearts must change. Your words are never going to change until your heart changes. How, how do our hearts change? When we surrender them to Jesus, when His Holy Spirit comes in and lives and dwells inside of us and gives us new life. When our hearts become captivated with Jesus, when we find Him more beautiful than anything else in all of the world, when our hearts center on Christ, that will begin to trickle out into the things that we say, in the ways we communicate with others. Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Maybe you've heard about the fruit of the Spirit or sung that song about the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's fruit that is, comes from seed form planted in our hearts and grows out into our lives. Think about how all that fruit of the Spirit is essentially things that are, that are shown forth in how we communicate. The source is the heart. Unless it's been planted in our heart by the Holy Spirit, it won't grow out into our speech. Um, I'm a terrible gardener, but many of you are not terrible gardeners. And uh, th th this is pretty simple. 
but true that um, if you have a weed in your garden, you can't just trim the weed back and hope that like a beautiful flower is going to pop up there. You have to dig down into the roots, pull the weed out completely, get a brand new beautiful flower, plant it there, and then begin to cultivate it and water it and care for it. In order for our words to change, our hearts have to change. Have you surrendered your heart to the Lord and asked Him to change you? Because He will. The second thing I want us to see, and I'll finish with this, as we think about the hope for our words, is that Christ offers both forgiveness and healing for our words. Christ offers forgiveness. When, when Jesus died on the cross, He died to fully pay for all the ways that you have abused and misused words in your life. Past, present, and future. When you surrender yourself to Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You stand fully forgiven. You may feel haunted by something that you have said to someone over the course of your life. Or you may feel haunted by something that you should have said to someone in your past, but you didn't. There is full forgiveness for you in Jesus. Your past uh, misuse of words does not define who you are in Christ. In the same way, uh, your past of being abused with words does not define who you are in Christ. Because Jesus promises real healing to you. He's the one who promises healing to you for the ways you've been wounded by the words of others. And Jesus is actually with you in that pain. He enters into the pain with you. And he's shared in that same suffering of being verbally abused by those around him, of being deceived by those around him, of being assaulted and mocked with words. He has felt it and he is with you. And he's promised a day when the pain of those wounds will be no more. When he makes you and all things new again. Jesus not only offers you forgiveness, but he offers you full healing from the ways in which you've been wounded. Our hearts are the source. Our words are powerful. And Jesus is our only hope. Do you want to see your words change? Then come to Jesus and ask him to captivate your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have indeed spoken to us through your word. That you've not left us to guess what you would have us to believe and to do and how you would have us to live. But you've given us your word and you even sent your word in the flesh, your son Jesus Christ, to rescue us from death and sin and destruction and brokenness specifically that which we've caused by misuse of our own words. And you've offered us healing in Christ for the ways in which we've been hurt by the words of others. Father, overwhelm us with your love for us this morning and your grace to us in your Son, Jesus Christ, 
And Lord, would you change our hearts that our words might change also. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.